Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. This title, Son, means that he was always the pre-existent son, the incarnate son in his birth, the exalted son after death, and he returned to heaven. Now, verse 6 is an interesting one, and it needs a little bit of explanation. And again, when God brings his, you might want to circle this word, firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Angels are amazing creatures. They're on a different level of existence than humans, although they have appeared to people while looking like men. Some people have even thought that it's appropriate to worship them, although the Bible shows that angels reject that idea. Pastor Mark, in his teaching today, will be talking about the differences between angels who physically are superior to humans and Jesus, who is God come to earth. You'll find out why Jesus, the God-man, is superior to all angelic beings. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 1 as he continues his message, Jesus, better than angels. If I would mention to you angels, is there misunderstandings of angels in our world? Well, just go to any website, Google it, and put in angels. And man, will you see a face full. I just did one recently. It's a false website, obviously. And the title is How to Connect with Your Angel. Listen to this. Right now, this is a quote. Let me clarify this. This is false. This isn't real. So you don't go, wow, this is, no, this is false. Right now, your angels are calling out to you. They want to fulfill your dreams, exceed your fondness wishes, and live the life you've always dreamed about. These loving and powerful angels stand at your side and want to touch your heart and allow you to boost your self-confidence, heal your most cherished relationships, your body, career, even your most important family issues. Are you too overwhelmed to notice them and open the door to your heart and let them in? They will happily give you everything you want if you simply ask them. Does that sound like they're praying to God in one way? Absolutely. Are they? No, they're praying to an angel. Now you say, well, that's a stupid thing. Nobody would listen to that. Well, the lady that has the website and wrote this, her name is, well, I won't mention it. She's been on Oprah, Good Morning America, The View, and CNN. So this is touting. And... Throughout the world, we have angels. Now, when you think about that, who in the world would try to give us false information about angels? 
You got it. Satan the angel. Satan was an angel. You remember back when God created the angels, he created them as one. They were all created to worship him. They had a free will. And of course, we know one third of the angels said, we're going to follow Satan. And they did. Lucifer, who is the God of this age. He controls this world, of course, under the control of God. With that, we have demons all around the world. They're real. You don't run from them. We're not afraid of them. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. But we're alert to them. We understand them. So this confusion comes simply from Satan. So we're going to see as well in the cults, there's this misunderstanding. And angels are incredibly useful to God. They're very powerful. They're wonderful if kept in the right realm. And very useful to God. But always they are less important and, of course, less useful than Jesus. And, of course, they're not God. And Jesus is always better than an angel. So let's go back to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4. Let me make some statements to you up front. I'm not going to go into big depth because that's not the purpose. But I do want to address... Cults, non-Christian cults. Let me just say this to you. Our attitude to people who do not believe the Bible should not be one of superiority, should not be one of disgust. Our hearts should break for people who do not understand the truth of the Bible. But for grace of God, you and I wouldn't be here There was one point in many of your lives you didn't understand the truth that you can't get to heaven by being good enough. Many of you believe that until the truth was presented to you. So when we talk about just two of the cults, the Mormons and the Jehovah Witness, it's not with disgust. It should be with a broken heart. Because by and large, there are people searching for truth. Many of the things they do, they absolutely outshine us. Can you imagine me standing up and saying to you, Calvary Chapel has a new deal. Every young person, when they reach the age of 18, will be required to spend two years as a missionary in a city in the world sharing the good news of the gospel. You must do it. How far do you think that would go in our churches? That's what happens in the Mormon church. Why do you think the Mormon church is spread? Because young people get on their bicycles around the world and morning to night share the Mormon doctrine. Is it effective? Very effective. Now, why is it effective? Because people are looking for answers and they appear at your door. Percentage-wise, they'll get people. Same with the Jehovah's Witnesses. So, Many good things in their lives, but the fundamental keys that I'm going to talk about remove them from being Christians. They're not Christians. They're not, in our understanding, certainly going to be able to go to heaven. You'll see why. Many of their other things are very good. Many of them are incredibly bizarre that I don't have time to go into. But again, the reason I'm sharing this with you is heart for the lost, whether they be Buddhist People used to go to Calvary Chapel and fall away from the Lord. Baptist, 
Jehovah's Witness, Mormon, doesn't matter. Our heart is to be one of compassion, to go after the lost in a heart of love. Here's the first statement you need to write. Virtually, all non-Christian cults reduce Jesus Christ to a mere created being and not God. You can tell without a name, very often all you have to do is look in there, and you can get on the websites and you can get all kinds of, the website is just absolutely filled with wonderful things. Ex-Mormons, ex-Jehovah Witnesses, how to witness, how to love them, how to be with them, how to answer the questions. CARM, C-A-R-M dot org is another great one. There's a million apologetic places. But here's the thing you have to understand. Virtually all non-Christian cults, when they take Jesus Christ, he is not God, they reduce him to a created being. And you're going to see why that eliminates salvation then. Impossible. Okay? Let's just talk about the Mormons for a second. Mormons teach that Jesus was created the brother of Lucifer. Now think about that. A cherub on the very same level of angels, and of course, they don't believe that Jesus is God. In Mormon theology, all of us pre-existed in heaven. We were procreated by the God the Father and one of his wives. This is Mormon theology. You existed before. You existed, you were brought into the world by God and one of his wives. Jesus was the first spirit child of Elohim, God the Father, and one of his wives. All you have to do is be thinking about that. God was also created. He was just a man who eventually worked himself up to God. I mean, when you go back into this, you wonder, where did these people get this? Of course, you know that we're not supposed to get our doctrine from angels. Who did Joseph Smith get his doctrine from? An angel. Well, obviously not an angel from God. An angel from Satan. The official Latter-day Saints publication, Gospel Principles, declares, the first spirit born of our heavenly parents was Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is not God. He was simply a created being. Thus, the Mormons, in their doctrine, will tell us that Jesus, Lucifer, you, and me, were all brothers and sisters, and were all equal. Now, how about Jehovah's Witness? Jehovah's Witness teach that Michael, Jesus is Michael, the archangel. A God, this is the big one, but with a little g. The first of Jehovah's creations. Same exact deal. Not God, not always has been, but a created being. According to the Jehovah's Witness theology, God is a single person, not the Trinity. By the way, in, in Jehovah's Witnesses, the Holy Spirit is not God. The Holy Spirit is a force. And their God 
They say God, the Father, doesn't know all things and is not everywhere. Now, how'd you like to serve a God like that? Who doesn't know all things and isn't everywhere. This God created Marco the Archangel as he was creating everything else throughout the universe. And when it came time for a Savior to be born, Michael the Archangel became a human in the form of Jesus. So, Mormons, Joel Witnesses. I could spend weeks showing you things that are unbelievably bizarre. But I just want to focus on the one key that I'm talking about. When we come to this, you're going to see as you go through from the book of Hebrews, why if Jesus isn't God, then we have no chance at salvation. Who the Savior is, is critical to all of us. The other thing I want to share is this. I was listening to somebody this week, and it, it really struck me, because every time we meet, if you're in a small group, we meet here in church, fusion, the youth, whatever. Every time we meet and go through the Word of God, there's life and there's death in the room. People's lives are in the balance right here. See, some of come to church, oh, it's Wednesday night, it's Sunday. It's... And pastors can do the same. Oh, it's another good teaching, it was great. Hey, John, PowerPoint is good, huh? No, there's life and death in this room. Right now, on the web, there's life and death. People are deciding for or against God all the time. You don't have any idea who's sitting next to you. And the enemy is saying to them, well, that's ridiculous. What he just said is ridiculous. No, it's not ridiculous. Just go to the web. You can prove it to yourself. So there's life and death in the room. So as we go through these things, it isn't frivolous. It's very serious. And I want you to understand that we're not playing church. You know we're not doing that. But as we do this, have a seriousness about you because those people that knock on your door, someone, and maybe it's you, can get through to them with the Holy Spirit, obviously convicting and opening their eyes. We don't want to just say, get away from me. There are people that need to know the truth. Now, here's Hebrews 1.4. You're there. I gave it to you in three different translations. Different words, same exact meaning. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. New King James. Jesus having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. New Living Translation. This shows that God's Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is far greater than their names. Look at verse 5. For to which of the angels, in other words, why is God better? Well, you're going to see his name is better, and then you're going to see verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father, and he will be my son. Jesus is better than the angels, number one, because God called him my son. The Son of God. So the writer is going to go through and he's going to say, I have to show you 
what's really taking place here. And in Psalm 2-7, just write Psalm 2-7 down. You can up later. I'm going to try to speed up here to make sure I get through. It says this, I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Now, in the Bible, and when you get some of these people begin to talk to you, you'll say, well, in the Bible, little s, God calls other people son. Yes, he does. But he calls them sons. Look at Job 38, 7. When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons, little s, of God shouted for joy. All that means is sometimes, collectively, he called his angels sons. But never once did he ever refer to them as the Son of God. When the Lord Jesus is described as the Son of God, not sons, it signifies equality with God. So the bottom line is this. God never, ever, in the Bible, addressed an angel as his son. This title, son, means that he was always the pre-existent son, the incarnate son in his birth, the exalted son after death, and he returned to heaven. Now, verse 6 is an interesting one, and it needs a little bit of explanation. And again, when God brings his, you might want to circle this word, firstborn into the world, He says, let all God's angels worship him. Firstborn almost sounds created, doesn't it? Well, notice Colossians 1.18. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. In other words, he's the first one to rise from the dead and never die again so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Firstborn is used, obviously, in three or four ways in the Bible. Certainly it's used as firstborn in a family. In Scripture, though, it's used as a metaphor to describe one of rank and privilege without being firstborn. And that's very common in the Jewish realm. It is also used to designate a place of superiority, of supremacy, of uniqueness. Thus, Jesus as firstborn over all creation, has nothing to do with birth. It simply means he's God's son by an eternal relationship. It's the title of priority or position, not one of time. Now think about this. Obviously, it could not be stated that he's the creator of all things if he himself is a created being. Does that make sense to you? Notice, He is the beginning, the firstborn of everything. He's the creator of everything. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You'll see over and again, Jesus created the world. Well, he couldn't be a created being if he created the world. That goes beyond our understanding, but that's very true. Now, what's the second key then? What's the writer trying to say when he's talking about these angels that are sons, little s, but the big son? Well, is there supremacy? Is there uniqueness? Is there a privilege to the Son of God versus the sons of God? Yes, there is. Look back in that verse 6. What's the last words? Let all God's angels do what? Worship Him. So your second key is simply this. Jesus is better than the angels 
Because he alone is worthy of worship. Nowhere, in fact, there's commands against it, do we worship angels. So he is not a created angel. He is the Son of God. He is God. He's superior. And the angels worship him as God. Notice also in this verse that God commands the angels to worship the Son. He says, angels, worship him. By the way, angels had no problem with that. Absolutely no problem with that. If Jesus was not God, if he wasn't divine, then God would be commanding, think about this, then God would be commanding the angels to worship creation. And of course, you know that's idolatry and goes against one of the Ten Commandments. So Jesus is God and he is divine, thus he can be worshipped. We do not worship creation. That was the whole problems in Romans chapter 1. You can go there and study it again. God says you got way off when you started worshiping the creation rather than the creator. So very easily, obviously, Jesus is divine and God. Thus, it's perfectly correct to worship him. The bottom line is that the angels are to worship the Son, and they did. Over and over again. They worship him at his first coming. The angels announced him and there was singing. They will worship him during the tribulation. I'm going to read you a part there. And they're going to worship him at his second coming. He's God. In Revelation, let me just read to you this Revelation 5 because of time. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and the sea and all that is in them singing. To him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. So, The angels are commanded to worship God, Jesus. They do, all through the Bible. And of course, that separates him from simply being an angel. Look at verse 7. In speaking of the angels, he says, He makes his angels winds and his servants flame of fire. Angels as created beings are subject to God using them However, he wanted to. They're changed, they're transformed into many forms and elements to meet the need of God. That's exactly what we see all through the Bible. Today, Pastor Mark taught more about the difference between angels and Jesus. You learned about the created nature of angels and about their job as servants of God. Pastor Mark shared several scripture passages which talked about the nature of Jesus. It talked about how he is the unique son of God and how he had a hand in creation and in fact holds all of the molecules from flying apart. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages. So come like and follow us. 
you'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will finish this teaching called Jesus Better Than Angels. You'll hear more about how Jesus is superior and of a higher order of being than angels. You'll learn more about the worship of Jesus by angels and all of the times in the Bible where they did so. You'll find out more about their role on the earth and what they'll be doing in the end times. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue this teaching series through the book of Hebrews. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.